Blessings to you. This past Sunday at the Blue Point Bible Church, we had our Father's Day worship service outdoors. That being so, we did not uh, take audio or video of the worship service, namely because the quality wouldn't necessarily be up to par. Um, so what I've gone about doing is making these short reviews here of the sermon uh, available for you. And uh, this past Sunday, I preached about Father's Day wisdom, being that it was Father's Day. You'll notice if you visit the description box of this podcast, you'll notice that I've listed the verses for you. So I encourage you to go ahead and visit that. Father's Day, uh, a little bit of history. On July 5th, 1908, a West Virginia church sponsored the nation's first event explicitly in honor of fathers. A Sunday sermon in memory of the 362 men who had died in the previous December's explosion at the Fairmont Coal Company mines in Monaga. But it was a one-time commemoration and not an annual holiday. The nation's first Father's Day was celebrated on June 19, 1910, in the state of Washington when a woman named Sonora Smart Dodd, one of six children raised by a widow, widower, began her efforts to establish an official equivalent to Mother's Day for male parents. In 1972, President Woodrow Wilson declared today, well, this past Sunday, to be the day that we honor fathers. And I thought it was fitting to uh, start out our worship service, or my sermon at least, with some dad jokes, being that it was Father's Day. And I'm not going to go ahead and uh, bore you with all the jokes that I had mentioned. Uh, Even one of the fathers, we did a short raffle, and one of the fathers had won a backpack stuffed with goodies. And I know one of those goodies was a uh, dad joke book. I'll offer one up. Uh, When does a joke become a dad joke? When it's full grown. (laughs) So uh, going ahead and being a bit more serious, what I'd like to take note of, and I do this every Father's Day and every Mother's Day because I believe it's so important. When we understand the nature of God and we look at God, we see God as a mother and a father in Scripture. We read in Matthew chapter 23 that like a mother hen, uh, God has gone about trying to gather his people unto himself. And uh, being that we read in the Old Covenant, the people constantly spurred this effort, just, you know, spurned it and turned away from it and, uh, you know, uh, did not follow the decrees of God. We, uh, We know that they were being judged. But anyway, the point is that we see God operating in this motherly fashion. So we would note um, mothering would be nurturing and comforting and gathering. And we see this all throughout Scripture, God in this manner. Then we also see fathering, right? We see God acting as a father. What is a father? A father is uh, offering instruction. A father is offering discipline uh, to his child. Most of us know that verse in Proverbs where it says that a father that does not discipline his child does not love his child. Uh, You know, the discipline uh, of the Lord is a a loving thing uh, to help lead us further into his instruction. So I'm convinced that Since we are the image of God in this world, we the church, therefore we the people of God, the church, whether we are mothers or fathers or not, are called to join God in his effort of mothering and fathering the gospel into the world. Again, so that would be nurturing, comforting, gathering, disciplining, offering instruction in regards to the gospel uh, to those that are in the world. Every Father's Day, I turn and preach from I turn to and preach from the wisdom books found in the Bible. I do this because I am of the conviction that increased wisdom is what is needed for fathers to properly raise their children 
and increased wisdom is necessary for children to understand the role of their parent. Who couldn't use increase in wisdom? Also, as I mentioned regarding Mother's uh, last month, on Mother's Day, I believe that Scripture highlights parenting as a God-given role and an opportunity for all of us to see increased peace, justice, and joy in this world. As the proverb says, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he grows older, he will not abandon So just to take note of the wisdom books, the wisdom books of the Bible are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, and Ecclesiastes. When we properly understand the way the Jews understood the Old Testament, we mark out three portions of the Bible, the, well, the three portions of the Old Testament, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. The wisdom books are contained in the portion called the Writings. Now, what I had offered up at, in, during the sermon, and I'll offer up to you, and I'm not going to preach through the entire sermon here, but what I am going to do is just outline some of the things that I had noted about each of the wisdom books. But before we do that, I just want to assess the difference between knowledge wisdom and understanding, being that we're talking here about increased wisdom. So knowledge, which we know in scripture we are called to attain and increase in, we see this in 2 Peter chapter 1, is the gaining of information. That's why we are to seek, search, study, and prove the things of God. So gaining information is gaining knowledge. Now wisdom is putting that information into proper use. And then understanding would be our evaluating whether or not the wisdom and the usage of the information was appropriate. And it's this cycle of gaining knowledge, applying it with wisdom, and, and having understanding. And again, gaining knowledge, and hopefully you see the, the point there. Very cyclical uh, type of process where uh, we're constantly gaining knowledge, putting it into uh, effect, and then examining ourselves, evaluating the situation, and so on. So the reason I, I thought this was so beautiful this past Sunday was because not only was it Father's Day, but it's also the change of a season. It's the, you know, the, the next day was the beginning of summer. So uh, we see in scripture that God tells us in Psalm 90 verse 12, to te so teach us to number our days. Again, pay attention to the moments uh, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And uh, then Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24 read, Search me, God, that know my, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I had noted that summertime is a time of harvest. It's a time where you'd praise God for the blessings. You would uh, take in the, the abundance, of course, that you, you have from your crop and your, you know what you've been harvesting. And then, of course, you would review your methods of maybe better planting. Uh, better things that you can nurture during the next season. So it, it's paying attention to the season was a very important thing in the ancient world. And uh, it's important for us spiritually to really evaluate and see where God might be leading us. You know, we see we often refer to the, the, uh, the valleys and the mountaintops, right? The valleys are those moments where things seem dry and things seem, God seems distant. And the mountaintops are the moments where we, everything seems beautiful and abundant. And we're being blessed uh, so much. So it's important for us to assess that. So I challenged our congregation to really think that through. So let's start first with the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, matter of fact, uh, highlights 
the seasons, the importance of there's a time for this, there's a time for that, and it helps us understand that. And then it gives instruction. It says how important it is to heed the instruction of God. Uh, Ecclesiastes is a writing written by the preacher. Uh, we would note that to be Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And uh, all throughout Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he offers up wisdom uh, for an instruction for uh, those that want to pay attention to what God is doing. And namely, uh, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is noting that uh, things of this world are vain, nothing but vanity. Then uh, I had touched on Psalm 91. Uh, there was a question recently raised uh, on social media uh, regard, regarding Psalm 91 verses 3 through 10, and it was basically brought up in a manner to challenge Christians to consider how that could be prayed by those in the Middle East during the intense time of persecution. And um, what I challenged our congregation to realize is that Psalm 91 is not speaking about the external. It's speaking about the spiritual. It's not speaking about the temporal. It's speaking about the eternal. And uh, when we, we look at the, the salvific nature of Psalm 91 and how um, we can dwell in the shadow of the Almighty and how we can trust in God despite our external circumstances, just like the apostles did, uh, I challenged our congregation to read that in line with Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And therein we read some beautiful text about how all things, one, one of the most noted would be Romans 8, 28, all things work for the good of those that love God. And yes, all things, uh, just as the apostles noted in the first century, includes persecution, includes trial and tribulation, but none of that can separate us from the love of God. And thanks to the work of the Messiah, thanks to Jesus Christ, we have this opportunity to, to have this relationship with God that there's no condemnation, as we read in the beginning of Romans chapter 8. So uh, I had challenged us, we really need to, when we look at the wisdom, wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is wisdom from above. As uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, the natural man cannot understand the things of God. So it's the spirit that elevates our understanding and helps us realize that it's not the external circumstances, that God can work through bad circumstances. And uh, so that was really what my challenge was from Psalm 91. And, and also as we read through the book of Psalms in general, to notice David himself was, uh, you know, on the run from his son seeking to per, uh, hunt him and kill him. Uh, David had so many enemies his entire life for the most part. Uh, there is a moment where we read in scripture that, you know, they, they were at peace with all their enemies, etc. Uh, the high point of David's kingdom. But for the most part, it was trial and tribulation. And yet he was able to write some of the most praiseworthy psalms and most trusting of God, noting God's faithfulness again and again, even in the midst of trial. I highlighted the Song of Songs. I had read through uh, Songs 8, verses 6 through 7. Uh, it's actually a text, a love text. And uh, really the goal of the Song of Songs, when we look at it from a spiritual view, is to demonstrate the prophetic picture of the love of God in his church. And uh, then we talked about Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. I actually preached in California a couple of years ago at the Christ in the Kingdom conference. You can go on YouTube and look that up. And I have a teaching on Proverbs chapter 3. You could probably put in uh, Michael Miano, Christ in the Kingdom. Uh, I know it's, I believe it's found on Ward Fenley's YouTube page, uh, New Covenant uh, Ministries International, uh, New Creation Ministries. I, I forget which one uh, it is, but go ahead and look up that site. Um, Maybe I'll include that sermon link in our description box for this uh, segment. And then Job, of course. Job, Job 121 seems to demonstrate the entirety of the book that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Another point of the story of Job is to highlight, there's a couple different, you know, when it comes to wisdom, 
uh, it, it, it applies in different ways to different people. So there's different pictures we're going to get in per different uh, ways the scripture is going to speak to us and give us wisdom in different moments. That's why we can pray, Lord, give me wisdom. And he will bring us back to the scriptures and they'll speak to us in a different manner. So uh, one of the things I note about the book of Job is that Job, um, his friends, his wife, everybody seems to want to persecute him and or want him to basically, not persecute him, but they want to get him to admit that he is guilty before God. Either God, you know, God's cursing him for some reason or he's being punished for some reason. And he rejects all of this. And he basically says, you know, that's why he says that that text, uh, God gives and God takes away. Um, you know, it's, it's his sovereignty, his providence that uh, we must heed, not our own demands, not leaning on our own understanding, not doing what is right in our own eyes. So uh, I had brought our attention to John chapter 9. This is what Jesus was demonstrating, that uh, remember the, the, the religious leaders brought this blind man to Jesus. And they said, you know, why is this man blind? Was it something his parents had done? Was it something he had done? And Jesus said, this is done so that God might be glorified. It's neither one of those. It's all about the sovereignty and the providence of God. And then in conclusion, I had shared that uh, something we see with King Solomon is that it's one thing to have the wisdom and be able to share that wisdom with other people. And then it's a whole other reality to be able to put the wisdom into practice. We unfortunately see that um, King Solomon doesn't implement a lot of the wisdom that he highlights. Our world is in desperate need of increased wisdom, which will produce, produce in my estimation, and what I've discerned from the truth of God, is when we have increased wisdom, it will increase our peace and justice and joy. We are to play our part. So we are to be mothering the gospel, fathering the gospel into this world. And uh, I encouraged us with the last portion of scripture matter of fact uh, that was written second uh, Peter chapter 3 uh, verses 16 and 18 wherein we read that we are to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of God and I pray that uh, this has been a, a good stir for you to go ahead and maybe read through the wisdom books matter of fact I'm going to share with you another sermon that I had uh, I had saw so you, what you can find in the description box is the verses that were mentioned in the sermon you can find a link to my Proverbs chapter 3 uh, teaching that I did in California and a link to Pastor Brian McMillan, another church here on Long Island um, in Massapequa and a couple other places, matter of fact. They have campuses in Holbrook, Stony Brook, um, oh man, Long Beach, Bayshore, I believe, uh, you know, quite a few different campuses of their congregation and they're doing a great job here on Long Island. Uh, I listened to Pastor Brian's sermon recently on money and he highlighted Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and the text spoke to me uh, his sermon spoke to me so I'm going to go ahead and share that link with you in the description box as well and I trust that you've been blessed by these thoughts and God has been glorified and you'll continue to be blessed as you seek search study and prove the things of God we do encourage you of course to join with us uh, if you want to gather with us here on, uh, at Blue Point for a Sunday morning we have Sunday morning adult Sunday school uh, at 9 a.m. we're going through the prophets we have a worship service that begins at 10.30 a.m. And then we have a time of common prayer at 6 p.m. every Sunday evening. And of course, we're going to update our website. We have opportunities all week, whether they're in person or online, for you to gather with other believers in the effort to go about what we call a thinking faith. Thank you for listening to this segment, and I pray that God continues to be with you and you continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of God.